There are two readings this morning. The first from 1 Chronicles 28, verses 1 through to 10. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the commanders of the divisions that served the king and the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the overseers of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, with the officials and the mighty men, even all the valiant men. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brethren and my people. I had intended to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God. So I had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and have shed blood. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be a leader and in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. Of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be a son to me and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever if he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances, as is done now. So, now in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God, so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it to your sons after you forever." As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now. For the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. And now 1 Kings 11, 1 to 13. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines and his wives led him astray. <laughs> As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, 
the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I've commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son, yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Very rarely do you get an audible gasp during a Bible reading. There was in that time, of course, a collective and audible gasp. Heavenly Father, as we look at this incredible and intriguing set of passages that talk strongly about the issue of the human heart, we ask, dear God, that we would have open minds and open hearts ourselves so that as we examine the scriptures, we would let the scriptures examine us and that we would come under their authority and yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're starting a series on the human heart. And uh, the heart in the Bible is, in fact, the heart of the matter. And a couple of scriptures that are very, very prominent Uh, There are so many scriptures about the heart in the Bible, but two that are very prominent in our sermon this morning is Proverbs 4.23, where it says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart, because everything you do flows from it. It is the epicenter of your very being. It is the epicenter of your soul and identity and personality. Chronicles 28.9 says, For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. So let us ask the question today, do you have a heart condition? Uh, someone took a selfie of me recently at the doctor's on a treadmill. And... Oh, okay. It doesn't look like me because I didn't have my glasses on. Okay, I, I get that. Do you have a heart condition? As you sit here this morning, I'm not talking about being on a treadmill. I'm talking about as you sit here today before the Lord, when he, the Lord searches all hearts and he searches your hearts here and my heart here today, do you have a heart condition? What is the condition that we all have a heart condition? Perhaps even a more poignant question is what is the condition of our hearts today as we seek the Lord? 
by examining Solomon's heart this morning, uh, one of Israel's greatest kings and wisest kings, we'll get an invaluable insights into our hearts before God. Uh, in the Bible, of course, the, the heart is far more than just an organ that plumps, uh, pumps blood. It is, in fact, the very seat of the will. It is the seat of the intellect. It is the seat of our feelings and conscience. It is a person's true essence and self. So when we get to our story, how do we get to this story of Solomon? What's been happening? Well, David had been ruling the kingdom of Israel for 40 years, as Solomon did after him for 40 years. David had ruled from 1010 BC through to about 970 BC. And then, of course, you count backwards because it's BC. And then Solomon took over from him from about 970 to 930. And what had happened is David's focus, he had been resettling Jerusalem. He'd established the tabernacle as the central focus of worship. But he wanted to build a temple to honour God. He wanted to build a place of focus where the uh, worship life of Israel could be centred upon. He wanted to bring the items and the symbols of God's presence with his people into that place. But he is forbidden by God because David, as we know, was a conquering king and he had shed blood. Blood was on his hands. So God said, no, not you. That will honour, will fall. As you know, he had a lot of wives and, as you know, happy wife in this situation, absolutely impossible. Um, the honour would fall to, the, to his fourth of 19 sons listed in the Bible. Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. So under Solomon, of course, when you read about it, the kingdom of Israel would, would reach its political and economic zenith. It was never more powerful and more grand and more over the top than what it was under Solomon's rule. And so he comes in with a very clear mandate for, from God to be like that. But here's the great question. How can a man who was called, who was equipped, who was empowered by the Holy Spirit, who was said to be the wisest man, how can a man put in that position, end up and rule for so long, but end up blowing the whole thing out of the water. How could he start in grace and end in disgrace? Can that happen to us? Can we journey with the Lord for decades and decades and decades and then somehow our hearts turn? The issue is, how did it all go wrong? His heart turned away from the Lord. Friends, you can be any age. You can have gone real well and real hard for decade after decade after decade after decade. And in your latter years, you can turn your heart away from the Lord. It comes from having a condition of the heart. Solomon, over a lifetime, his heart turned away from the Lord. Lots of things can turn our hearts away from the Lord. Um, this is not a rhetorical question. This is a question where I am eliciting verbal feedback loudly and clearly from you. What kind of things, think about it, what kind of things can turn a person's heart away from the Lord? Let's be honest and tell some truth. What sort of things might turn a person's heart away from the Lord as they journey along through life? Give me some answers. Go like that and then talk. Where have we got? Yep, Sue. Yep. Sue. Okay. Yep, somebody else's hand went up over here. Some more hands. Yes, Lester. Pain. Peer pressure, business, business. 
Busyness and business, yeah. David? Possessions. Possessions. Yep. Yep. Greed. Pride. Bitterness. So many things, isn't there? As we see here today, there are many, many dangers surrounding us as we journey through life. Things that could insidiously come and take these things away from us. Sometimes we, 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 we struggle with unanswered prayers. Sometimes it's just the whole summation of life just knocks the daylights out of us. Sometimes we can't get over the atrocities of what we see around us. So Solomon was given a heart test. Let's have a look at Solomon's heart test. My doctor wants to give me a heart test. That's all I have to say about that. Um, his want and my will are two different things. Um, Solomon, Solomon had a heart test. It was laid out before him in Chronicles. Let's have a look. He was to have a look at verse 7. Resolute obedience in observing God's commands. I will establish my, his kingdom forever if, if... He resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances as is done now under the kingship of David. Resolute obedience and observing God's commandments. The second part of his heart test was that he was to seek after the commands of God. Look at verse 8. So now in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of God, observe, and this goes for Solomon and the people, Observe and seek all the commands of the Lord your God so that the blessings will flow. And so seeking after God, seeking after his commands, seeking his will and his lordship in our life. Um, third heart test for Solomon is to serve God with a whole heart. Look at verse 9. But as for you, my son Solomon, know your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind, for the Lord, for the Lord searches all hearts. And so that's what he was called to do, serve God with a whole heart, and fourthly, with a willing mind. Friends, as we sit here today, can we say that we serve the Lord with all our heart? All of it. Or have we got some holding back and with a willing mind? Or, or do we have a rebellious mind? Do we, have a, we fight against God and we struggle with things? Is our minds and our lives, are we completely laid bare before God and serving God wholeheartedly and with a mind that is willing to grapple and obey and submit? He was to seek God. Also in verse 9, he was to search and understand all his thoughts if you seek him, he will let you find him. That is, a, that is as true today as it was when it was written. If you seek God, you will find him. That's what Jesus said. Ask, seek and knock and the door will be open to you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you. So we are to seek God and not forsaking. So Solomon was given this bit of a heart test. Obedience and observing God's commandments, seeking after the commands of God, serving God with a whole heart, and a willing mind and seek to seek God himself and not to forsake him. Well, how did he go? It's interesting that over a lifetime, that was the mandate which began. That was how he was to set his heart. But as time progressed, even though his kingdom flourished, his heart failed. Friends, you can have a flourishing kingdom. You can have everything that opens and shuts. You can have everything that you would ever dream of when you were 21. You could have that. You could build an empire but fail the king. Flourishing surroundings and a failing heart. 
And so what happens is what we sow, we begin to reap. The things that have been sowed over a lifetime, we reap in our older age. Our values come home to, to roost. The things that we value really start to show our patterns of behaviour. The, the cracks in our character become chasms as we get older. So that was the heart test. That's Solomon on that horrible running machine that he was made, that person was made to go on, which I won't. The heart of the matter, this is how it went for Solomon. Solomon's heart condition. Well, let's have a look at it. Let's see how it went. Here we are, winding forward 40 years. He's nearly passed away in chapter 12. He passes away, so he's toward the end of his journey. Uh, The first thing that went wrong is that he gave himself an exemption from certain commands. So uh, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. That apparently wasn't enough. He had Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, uh, Sidonians, Hittites, Stalagmites, Stalactites, and all women in tights. (laughs) It's a loose translation that I'm using this morning. It's a paraphrase. They were from the nations around. They were from the. This is the problem. They were from the nations around about which the Lord had told the Israelites, "You must not intermarry with them, because, because look at the scripture. They will surely turn your hearts after their gods." Wow. Am I going to talk about this tonight? To the young adults. They better bring their hard hats. It's going to get heavy to write about now. I think we've seen it all. We know that. Solomon gave himself an exemption from certain commands. Look at what happens here. Because they will turn, nevertheless, no, not Solomon. Okay, God's clear as crystal. Don't do it. They will turn your heart. Nevertheless, exemption for Solomon, king of Israel. He gives himself an exemption from the commands of God. Solomon held fast to them in love. Then, of course, he had this excessive set of wives in a harem. So Solomon gave himself an exemption from certain commands. Friends, are there certain commands of God that you know to be true to which you have given yourself an exemption? Are there certain commands that God has given that's just not for you? Certain standards, ethics, behaviours, patterns, attitudes relationships we give ourselves exemptions from certain commands he thought he knew what was best for his life he thought more so than God Aha, nevertheless I'm going to do what I want that's the sin of Adam and Eve nevertheless God said don't eat the fruit nevertheless too many of us are living the nevertheless life where God says this but we want to do that and we override God and we pay the price Because what we sow, we reap. What we sow, we reap. Thought he knew what was best for his life. His desire was to please his wives, plenty of them. That grew stronger than pleasing the Lord. And he was not fully devoted to the Lord. Look at verse 4. As Solomon grew old, you see it took a while. His wives turned, as God said, his wives turned his heart, After other gods, 
And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of of David his father had been. It was a shift of heart. He changed his heart. His heart started to turn over a lifetime. He thought he could have a divided devotion, but he was wrong because God had said this very clearly to Moses. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself an image in any form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And even Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. He turned his heart and, of course, that led to terrible actions. Can you imagine? So he built the temple. But on the East Hill outside of Jerusalem, he starts to build these shrines. So you look out from Israel, you see this hill outside of Jerusalem and it's encrusted with demonic structures and shrines where all his wives have instructed him, I want one for my God and I want one for my God and I want one for my God too. Let me just tell you about two only of those gods. The Ashtaroth was a fertility goddess. No prize in guessing how you worshipped her. Yes, we get it. This is an, you know, an R-rated kind of a thought. Yes, fertility gods are worshipped in certain ways. But then they talked about this phrase, detestable God, detestable God. Well, what does that all mean? Um, the Canaanite God, the God of the Ammonites here, called Molech in the form of a bull with the root of the word meaning king. Uh, you work out how you worship this God. Listen, in 2 Kings and in Jeremiah, they're forbidden to worship this God of Molech. And uh, you, listen how, you listen into this text and work out what it requires to worship this God. Listen. And he, King Josiah of Judah, defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnon, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. What do you think they were doing? Child sacrifice. You would burn your child alive in the worship of this God. And Solomon built a shrine on the east of Jerusalem to this God and they worshipped him there. How could that happen? Because his heart was turned. His heart was turned. A man who started in grace ended in disgrace. Jeremiah 32, even further on down the track, Jeremiah 32, 35, and they built the high places of Baal, because he was a Baal god, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to cause their sons and daughters to pass through the fire unto Molech, which I have commanded them not. Neither came into mind that they should do this abomination and cause Judah to sin. That was the kingdom that Solomon was overseeing toward the end. Got the temple, got this pagan worship. You can't serve two gods. How did that happen? This is how it happened. How could it possibly happen? You think, oh, could never happen. How does it happen? Well, it happens like this. It happened with Solomon like this. There was time. There was 40 years of time. How did his heart turn? 
We know that his desire to please his wives, to to take on board what they were saying, there was constant pressure in his life over 40 years. And it wore him down. And it was via relationships. Constant pressure, a desire to please his wives, meant that he, he took on a compromise. He compromised. He kept his temple, but he compromised. And he started to dilute the commands of God, saying, well, you know, nevertheless, I get the, I get the exemption. Nevertheless, attitude to life. He compromised. And then what happened is dilution of God's commandments lent that other things came in and there was a pollution of his faith. He let things invade his faith experience and expression that were a pollution to God. So that's how his heart turned. It took 40 years. How's your heart going? I want to tell you something this morning. Satan's playing the long game with you. Satan does not mind playing the long game. And do you know what? He will play a lifetime long game with you and he plays to win. And I want to warn you this. The way you end up may determine where you end up eternally. The way you end up may determine where you end up eternally. Solomon dies in the very next chapter of this book. The scripture tells us, of course, a different story. We are to have a heart that comes after God. He who endures to the end will be saved. Friends, is it going to be you? The great thing about being the pastor of this church, I see it again and again. We have had a lot of celebrations of fantastic lives in this place of people that have loved God right through to the very end. You know who I'm talking about. You come to the funerals, we celebrate Jesus. It's hallelujah time because they've graduated into glory. Will you graduate into glory? Will you follow Jesus to the end? Will you follow faithfully to the end? To the day you die, will your last breath be in faith to God? Hallelujah. Let's live like that. Let's have hearts that are fully devoted and fully open to God and and pursue God like that. Um, To Timothy, Paul's right. He is on the verge of being executed. I have fought the good faith. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Will the preacher say that at your funeral? I pray to God they'll say it at mine. What will make it happen and what will make it be true? Your heart. It's all a matter of the heart. The heart is the matter of the the whole thing. I say to you in Jesus' name, above all else, guard your heart, for in everything you do flows from it. Know the God of your Father, serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind, for the Lord searches the heart and understands every thought. Well, do you have a heart condition? Only you would know and the Lord. We pray, dear God, that you would just, you would just water that, those words into our life this week. May that be the song of our souls this week. May we meditate on those words, think about them. Consider that we who start in grace should end in grace and never in disgrace. And may the love of Jesus draw you to himself, the power of the Lord Jesus strengthen you in his servants and the joy of the Lord Jesus fill your hearts 
and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you and those you love always. Amen.